Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Christina Aducci. She is founder and CEO of House of Puff. I'm always excited to talk to brands, particularly brands that have picked a very particular and specific segment. I think one of the really interesting things about cannabis at this point is the number of people getting involved in cannabis, the number of people that are using cannabis it is really growing. And as that happens, the development in the industry is really figuring out the different segments. What do they really want? What are their aspirational goals? What are the brand attributes that we can really build successful brands around? And Christina is doing a really interesting job with House of Puff, really focusing on modern, driven women. And we're going to talk about why she chose that segment. What does that mean in terms of the products that she's developing, uh, the brand that she's building? I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited to learn what she's doing and and really talk about some of the interesting things that are going on in cannabis and some of the people that are using cannabis and how this world is really developing and, and changing and growing. So with that, Christina, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. What an intro. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thank you. Well, thank you for being on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about background before we kind of get into what you're doing today. What's the story? Professionally, what were you doing? How did you get into cannabis? Tell us about what kind of inspired House of Puff. Give us the background. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I grew up in Jersey, Jersey girl, born and raised. Yeah. Uh, very uh, strict Puerto Rican household. My, huh? uh, my dad worked the deli department at ShopRite for 30 years. Mom sold real estate, then decided one day she was going to be a doctor. Uh, Wow. And was uh, everybody was kind of like, wait, wait, what? You sell real estate? You can't be a doctor. You have an eight-year-old. Uh, so just to give you some sort of frame of reference of why, you know, I am who I am. I had my mother yeah, to look sure. up to. Yeah, sure. so that kind of entrepreneurial spirit was just always in my blood. And Good so yeah. I um, went to universities and got a degree in political science, graduated in 08, perfect time to graduate naturally to mm -hmm. get a job. Not really. Uh, so I decided... <laughs> I think the irony was lost on those people who didn't remember what 2008 was like. Yeah. <laughs> a lot has happened. Um, yeah. And so I decided to go back to school to get my master's degree um, at William Patterson in New Jersey in public policy, international affairs, because I thought, you know, let's try the, the politics game. Glad yeah. I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> before I became an entrepreneur, I had a great career at the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, where I was um, in charge of event planning and fundraising. And then I realized I just sort of want to be my own boss. And so yeah. I, uh, I uh, linked up with a few of my art world friends and decided to launch an art publication called Art Zealous, which was really, you know, geared towards young people wanting to learn more about the art world, right? Because the art world, uh, especially New York, it's, yeah. it's very hoity-toity and there are the publications out there weren't really speaking to young people in kind of a short form BuzzFeed kind of way. So I saw a gap. And then right around that time, I've always had generalized anxiety disorder. But right yeah. around, you know, New York City, you know, we love her, but sometimes she'll beat you up. And um, <laughs> my anxiety just got worse and worse. And so, you know, tried all the pharmaceuticals, hated the way they made me feel. Oh, yeah. Was never a big cannabis consumer in college, maybe once or twice, which I know is like kind of shocking to some people. But then I, all of my friends were kept bringing up cannabis, cannabis. So I did my research and the science and I thought, you know, is it going to make me too anxious? Unbeknownst to me, there are, you know, thousands of different types of strains out there that, you know, have certain medicinal properties. And I smoked uh, my first bong rip, if you will, was Blue Dream. <laughs> and nice. I kind of in that moment was like, oh, my goodness, I totally understand this plan yeah. and, and what it can do for my mind. And and then decided, OK, so I'm going to do this cannabis thing. This is amazing. This is life-changing. But I couldn't find any consumption devices that sort of fit into my lifestyle, you know? <laughs> like you didn't, you don't like the like six foot glass <laughs> bong that you... <laughs> that you find on St. Mark's. Yeah, that's like yeah, phallic, exactly. blue <laughs> yeah, and black. Yes, totally fits yeah. in with my art collection. Um, exactly. So I just thought, okay, there's got to be other women out there like me who you know, want to come out of a cannabis closet, if you will, yeah. and smoke out of something beautiful. And so that's kind of how it all got started because I, I needed it and I wanted to create it. And so I did. Yeah. 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 And so once you decided that you really needed to create, you know, a, a, a new product, a new brand to really speak to, you know, this, this segment, this woman who, you know, was interested in using cannabis, but wanted something with some style, with some, you know, aesthetic quality to it as probably, you know, as well as functionality. Where did you start? What was the first thing you decided to kind of focus on in terms of building product and building brand? So what I did was I used my art background, right? I had my magazine that was about five years old at this point, and I leveraged my art world context, context to 
create our one hitter, right? Because ceramicists, I mean, I've worked with beautiful ceramicists for the past five years and I thought, okay, somebody has to make me just a beautiful pink pipe. I know, silly, but at the time <laughs> there was not a, a little pink one hitter pipe that I could fit in, you know, my back pocket or that would, let's face it, stand up to my Prada bag. Like, let's talk about it. Yep. I, I like luxury and I'm, yep. I think we need to normalize that a little bit more. People are always afraid to talk about the nice things they have. I've worked really hard for the nice things I have. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted my cannabis consumption devices to reflect that. So I just reached out to my network and I found an artist up in Maine and she helped me with the prototype and I launched only about, well, we launched with our MVP, which was our lit kit and it came with a pipe instructions. Cause you'd be surprised how many women don't know which mm. end to light of a one hitter. Yep. Um, so I really just, you know, focused on my friends who were in kind of in my same of my boat, if you will. And it, it all, all of them went and sold out. And I got, was getting all of these media requests and I thought, okay, so I think I might be onto something. And it's, it's wonderful now with House of Puff that I can use my art background and especially um, as it relates to supporting women and, and people of color artists, because that's what we're really, we're, you know, we were working with a lot of um, artists who I've, interviewed, which is, you know, kind of comes full circle. Um, yeah. So it's, it's exciting. And so these art inspired consumption devices are, you know, thank God I had an art publication. And because I always wonder, you know, most of my time is with House of Puff, and I do miss the art side a little bit. But now for it to be kind of melded together is just a really exciting thing for any entrepreneur when two of your loves come together. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting story because I think that, you know, a lot of folks that are in other industries or have other backgrounds, other expertise, you know, are looking to getting to cannabis. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to figure out well, what talents, networks, capabilities, assets, you know, experience you have that you can pivot into cannabis, you can leverage into cannabis. Uh, and I think that's it's a, it's a great story of how you, you took everything you were doing and it just made it more cannabis specific or figured out how to bring it to cannabis. I'm curious what, you know, it sounds like there's some things you leverage very, very well and very directly. What didn't transfer so well? Like as you kind of got into cannabis and you, you tried to kind of Take experiences or you know things that you were doing in other in other worlds and other parts of uh, business and bringing them in cannabis didn't translate so well that you had to kind of rethink. You know, that's a really good question, and I I can't think of anything off the top of my head because cannabis is one of those industries where there's a lot of transferable skills at play. Like I I'm a great writer, so who writes the copy for our website? We launched an editorial platform called The Drawing Room you know, photos, you know, touching up photos, marketing, SEO. So all of those skills that I kind of honed as an entrepreneur, I use every single day in my business. And I think that's such a beautiful thing in the cannabis space that not many industries can say. That's why yeah. I, whenever I'm talking to young people who are like, well, you know, I'm in fashion or I'm a paralegal. Like, how can I, you know, I really like the cannabis space. I'm interested, but how can I get involved? I'm like, it's easy. Any of those skills that you have can be easily transferable into the cannabis space. And, and I think that's just something, something rare and beautiful. And I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't because everything no, I really, good. I learned from my first business, I absolutely do in my second with House of Puff. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious what the um, kind of reaction or response was from your professional community, from you know personal community, you know friends, family. What was there? Was there anything you had to kind of navigate as you you know told people, look, I'm starting a cannabis-based brand and, and working with people in the cannabis. Yeah, I mean, you know, I am a Puerto Rican woman, I'm a mom, and I'm an entrepreneur, and I don't think people can quite figure me out. And I think mm. they thought, oh, wow, like cannabis, that's interesting, especially my family. Um, yeah. You know, I was part of the D.A.R.E. generation, you know, we yeah. didn't really talk about cannabis. Uh, I mean, it was just never a topic. So I think my family were, they were surprised, but my friends were like, oh, I totally get it because... You know, I'm always the person who, if you can't find something, make it yourself. Mm, and that's yeah. just the best advice for any entrepreneur. If you want you want to do something and there, it doesn't exist already, fill that gap, fill that niche. So I got a lot of positive feedback. You know, being a woman and being a Latina woman in this space, it's hard sometimes, right? Uh, I hate to, you know, say it over and over again because I feel like yeah. when I talk to people, but we, this is still a very much a white man's world. Mm. And, you know, there are times where I do feel uncomfortable. Like, you know, I went to my first big cannabis conference and I felt like I, not only was I the only woman there, but I was the only minority there. And I was yeah. so like down about it because I thought, okay, well, the art world, I mean, they're very much like that. But the cannabis space, like they've got to have just vibrant people people of color and women all over the place. And, you know, sadly, that's that's not the case. And so I got a really good piece of advice from Cassia Graham of Canaclusive after I told her about this. And she said, no, 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 you, you, can't, you can't let this get to you. You have to keep showing yeah. up. You have to keep, you know, raising your voice and raising your hand. And so they know that we're a part of this community and that are, that we matter. And I never forgot that. And so whenever I start feeling a little bit shy or uncomfortable, I just, I just remember that. And, you know, it's my duty as a Latina woman in this space, because there's not a lot of us to keep mm -hmm. showing up, you know? Yeah. And how do you think we're doing? I mean, uh, I mean, you know, clearly it's still, we haven't reached any parity, equity, balance in any of this. Do you see things changing? Are there programs, initiatives, you know, people that you think are really making uh, a difference in this, you know, in this aspect of cannabis? Or what's your kind of state of the union on this? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think at the end of the day, a few things. One, we need more women at every level in the cannabis space. The CEOs, you know, the creatives, we need more women, we need more people of color. I think we're doing better than most industries, so that is a good thing. And there are a lot of incredible organizations like Canaclusive, like I mentioned, almost consulting, and then teamed up to do an inclusive base where you can, you know, go through hundreds of BI POC, you know, LBGTQA uh, cannabis uh, companies. So that's a fantastic resource. And the Broccoli Magazine's Florette Coalition, which is an anti-racist collective of small businesses in the cannabis space that supports and funds equity-oriented actions through monthly donations and social media campaigns. So, you know, we're rocking and rolling. There's still a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, but we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I find just because it is such a dynamic and growing industry, you know, there's, I think, more opportunities for change or at least more opportunities to see change happen in different ways. But, you know, it still takes positive pressure and, and you know, intention around this. So tell me, I'm curious about your your sort of audience or, or, or your customer, your your target 
Do you find that there are people, women who are already smoking cannabis that are looking for a better product and, and better tools to use? Or is this uh, focusing on people who are interested in getting into cannabis and they, this becomes kind of their entry point? Yeah, I mean, I think listen, there are a lot of great cannabis accessories out there. And I think where House of Puff is different is, you know, we want to normalize their cannabis use. 66% of women are still in the cannabis closet, which is like crazy to me. Um, and so we want to change that. And the fashionable and art-inspired cannabis devices is just kind of, you know, what we do. We are creating these beautiful products that, you know, if grandma found them, she'd be like, oh, that's a cute little tray, but wouldn't know that it's a rolling tray. <laughs> or the pipe, you know, my grandma thought it was like a lipstick holder. So... Huh? We want to normalize it so they feel comfortable using it to, you know, enhance their lives. You know, we don't really like to take the wellness approach while it is, you know, I use it for wellness. We just want to talk about it like it's enjoying life, right? Just live mm -hmm. a better life. And so women don't just buy our accessories to consume cannabis. They buy it to, to match their latest outfits and table settings. Um, and yeah. during the pandemic, we realized, all right, we can sell beautiful product, but there's got to be another side to this and uh, we launched an editorial site called the drawing room which was is a reflection of our customer you know she's interested in you know not only learning to which way does she light the pipe how does she clean the pipe can she set the table and have a dinner party with our pipe and you know it, can she pair wine and weed so uh -huh. um it's you know our content marketing strategy is really aggressive in that sense where we you know we want to tell the stories of of these women and we want we want house of puff to be synonymous with living well a fashionable new york city gal who is a mom or an entrepreneur or creative and she likes to consume cannabis and that's okay <laughs> yeah how do you see the kind of growth of the brand i mean I, you've cl clearly are kind of focused on this you know stylish east coast new york even specifically you know woman how does it compare to someone on the West Coast in LA? I mean, is this, do you feel this is transferable? Is this, are you making a statement here of like, no, this is an East Coast brand? You're going to get me in trouble, Bruce, with my LA friends. <laughs> hey, I love, I love a little controversy. Um, you know, our focus is, you know, 25 to 34 year old women. So I, that's kind of our, our demographic. And, you know, they're, they're spending, U.S. and Canadian women, they're spending about $1.8 billion on cannabis accessories oh. from all over, right? So while I, you know, I am proud to be an East Coast gal and I'm proud to see, I'm excited to see how the cannabis industry on the East Coast kind of takes form, especially with New Jersey and New York happening hopefully soon. You know, Hassapuff is for everybody, but I would be lying if I said I, I wasn't partial to our to our East Coast gal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't well, know. I, I would say I would say good for you. I mean, because I think I think one of the interesting things about cannabis it is you know traditionally has been so West Coast based, at least in terms of the brands yeah. and, and what's been coming to market. I actually am quite excited to see sort of the East Coast brands you know, start to come to fruition, you may be developed. I mean, obviously, we're kind of behind the curve in terms of the legalization side, but, you know, Jersey's coming, you know, hopefully soon here. We'll hopefully. Get the legislation will actually pass. We'll, you know, we'll start to build a, a market here. But because I think it is different, right? And I think that there's there's different qualities and sensibilities, and, and certainly there's, you know, commonalities. But, you know, I think it's exciting to see some of these brands develop, uh, you know, on the East Coast. Yeah, uh, and I think, I think to, to, I guess, follow up on your question, 
our House of Puffs brand alignment is very much like with like the New York cultural and art world, right? New York is the capital, in my mind, of, you know, of the arts and the cultural capital. And I, and I, so I think House of Puff kind of just, we slide more that way, but I agree. I think that even branding alone, our branding is very different from our West Coast counterparts. I mean, it's not, be- it's not worse or better. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious on product development. I mean, as you look at your product line and and what you want to develop and kind of where you're going with some of these things, what categories are you focused on? What categories are you staying away from? I mean, there's so many different cannabis, um, you know, products out there. I mean, you know, obviously we've been talking about flour and pipes, but, you know, you can get an extracts and shatters and waxes and, you know, (laughs) distillates, you know, what things do you find are most aligned with your brand or things that you think you can develop products around and which ones are you feeling like, hey, that's just not our, that's not our game. So for us, we love to create products that kind of have a double, feeding two birds with one seed, if you will. Um, Our nebula tray is great for rolling. It's also great as an ashtray, but it's also great for hosting. So during the pandemic, we really took the time. I mean, we were home. What else we were going to do? Took the time. (laughs) Took the time. You had the time. (laughs) I had a ton of time (laughs) to kind of create products that, you know, I love to host. I would love to be the Giada of cannabis. I love the idea of entertaining and cooking for people. It's also like my culture, right? Like as a Latina, my time was always spent around the kitchen and around friends and family. And so House of Puff products, you know, we want you to be comfortable leaving them out, not only on the dinner table, but setting the dinner with them. You know, we Mm -hmm. have customers who use our trays to hold olives or toothpicks. So the idea around normalizing cannabis through hosting and entertaining in meals, like our L'Aperitif cone, were named after the Italian tradition of an aperitif because I love just teeth at night and it cleans the palate very much the way cannabis opens up your stomach and opens up your palate. So a lot of the products we have and are creating really do have um, two uses, multi-purpose uses, which I think is important now than ever because, you know, we have to be cost conscious, right? We want we want our customer to not only buy our product for one thing, but, you know, our rolling papers are also oil blotters. Not that you would need an oil blotter, Bruce, but, you know, the, the, <laughs> the girl... The girl on the go, you know, we get a little oily. You just take out your rolling paper and pat your face. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Good. And I mean, tell me a little bit about the brand and now you, as you developed. I mean, uh, you know, naming attributes was this just obvious and it just came naturally? Was there a lot of back and forth? Tell us a little of the story. Yeah. So House of Puff. My mom actually came up with that name, which is kind uh, of I funny. Love it. And so it was an ode to the the couture houses of Paris, you know, House of Givenchy. And so House of Puff is just the house, the House of Puff. And really, as we further develop our brand, it's kind of, I look back and I'm, you know, there are times I think every entrepreneur is like, well, why did I name my company that? You know, you kind of always like, (laughs) maybe second guess, like, where did that come from again? I can't remember. But as we create these new products, like we're coming out with like a little flower bowl, and I look across holistically at our products, I'm like, it is a a house, a house of products you know, I want people to use these products in their house. So I like try to convince myself all the time, like, well, that's why you did it, Christina. That's why you named it House of Puff. <laughs> hey, it, it sounds good. Even if it's apocryphal, it's, it's, it's a good story. Yeah. And, you know, we just launched a YouTube channel and I was like, well, what are we going to call it? And at home with House of Puff. Genius. Yeah. I mean, like, so it all feeds into each other. 
But yeah, I mean, the naming of the products with regards to the colors are all actually named by me and my business partner, Holly Hager. But they're all named after or women, uh, artists, women. And so yeah. back to this kind of homage of our, uh, you know, we're both art world entrepreneurs. And so, you know, you have a Frida Kahlo. We have our Kahlo blush Borealis holder. You know, we have Michelaine Marigold, which is uh, Michelaine Thompson. She's a wonderful black artist. And so again, we weave, we weave our art, art world um, into our products any way we can. Yeah. I'm curious, are you, are you finding artist collaborators that are known that you can kind of leverage in terms of name and recognition? Or are you using this as a platform to find artists who maybe are less well-known and, and using this as a spotlight or a tool to promote them? Yeah, the latter, which you know shouldn't surprise anybody if you know me. We, being a, a Latina and a minority, I really I feel very strongly um, to work with people of color artists. And so we are actually launching our first artist series with a uh, Spanish artist, Paula Flores, and she is a POC artist who uses cannabis in her practice. And, you know, the idea is that these accessories are, you know, meant to put art at your fingertips, you know, that inspires that same, you know, the pleasurably deep thoughts that cannabis can. And so she is the artwork that I, and I sent you, I hope you got, I hope oh, you yeah. got them. Uh, yep. That artwork actually was in a museum, um, but she's not some, she's a famous artist, but she's, you know, she's not Banksy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it is important to us, you know, we worked with a black artist in uh, New Mexico, Rashawn Jones. And again, you know, well-known-ish, but n by no means, you know, 4 million followers on Instagram. So it's important to us, just like it was for Art Zealous, to shed light on the stories of emerging artists and, and not famous ones. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's talk about what's going on in uh, kind of the East Coast here. I mean, Jersey recently passed battle in initiative to legalize adult use cannabis. You know, New York is saber rattling. They're, they've got some things uh, in New York, Pennsylvania's got some stuff. I mean, what's, what's kind of your take? I mean, what, what do you see as working well? What do you as, see as not working so well in, in really developing the East Coast cannabis market? Yeah, well, let's start with Jersey. I think... It's progress. I think the first step, it's not perfect, yeah. but I do think that it does reflect the diversity in New Jersey. I think the only thing I don't love, if we're going to get a little, you know, into the nitty gritty, the impact zones. And I don't know how much you know or how you feel about that, but that's kind of the only thing that sticks out in terms of, well, okay, so you have an impact zone, but then any wealthy white man can just hire a few people from yeah, that exactly. impact zone um, and call it a day. So that's kind of like my only nitpick, but you know, the expungement of cannabis possession records, you know, ending around for less than six ounces. Love that. So yeah, so I think the social equity component in New Jersey is okay. It's a, it's a good first step. Yeah, yeah. What do you hope, or I guess hope, plan, prognosticate to happen in terms of this tri-state area? I mean, you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, as <laughs> yeah. Jersey develops. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in Fort Lee, New Jersey, looking onto Manhattan. You know, know. we're we're going to become the most uh, frequented uh, area of, uh, of of Jersey once this thing passes. If New York doesn't get its act together, what what do you think? How do you see this playing out? Um, God, Cuomo. You know, he just <laughs> it's got a lot going on these days. Uh, yeah, exactly. But 
you know, legalization can't mean increased criminalization, right? Let's start there. Yeah. You know, and we have to we have to restore these communities that have been affected by the war on drugs. Um, yeah. And that means expunging people's records, resolving, you know, uh, immigration concerns, ending, you know, child welfare allegations, removing barriers for housing, reinvesting tax revenue into communities. Like I could go on and on. And, you know, the one thing I did read that uh, I didn't typically care for was that selling uh, an amount to a person under 21 is a class D felony, uh, which would carry like a potential of like two and a half years in prison, which is like currently a misdemeanor. So there are just things I just like have a huge problem with. Yeah, but I, I just, you know, I think we have to remember, is it MRTA? Is that, what's the slang? Is the MRTA? Is that how people are saying it? MRTA? I the, think so, yeah. The marijuana regulation. I mean, I, I, I'm team MRTA, right? I mean, you got to remove, remove the criminal penalties, you know, direct huh? investment into the communities hit the hardest, which are the black and brown communities. You know, I would love to see licenses for delivery. On-site consumption would be incredible. Let's face it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's it's a big one. Like, we, I've talked to a couple of different folks about this. I mean, I, I certainly in New York, the, the idea of, you know, on-site consumption, consumption lounges would be a game changer for the cannabis industry. I mean, how, do you see yourself participating in that somehow from a brand point of view? Or how, I mean, how does this wouldn't that be wonderful? Like a house yeah. of puff lounge? Well, or, exactly. Or how... You or you know, selling accessories to to customers of said uh, you know consumption mm-hmm. site. I mean, I think that would be the most the most wonderful. I you know, and I remember being in Amsterdam a few times way before I started House of Pop, and I was like, wow, this is so cool. Look at all the yeah. cute Dutch people just sitting outside and and you know smoking cannabis and having a tea, and every just everybody looks so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I would I'd love to see it. I'd also love to see delivery services. Um yeah. so yeah, my wish list is long for New York. I'm hopeful <laughs> because you know you have a lot of great organizations like normal, you know, on the ground yeah. doing the work. So I guess we'll yeah. see. Well we can we can dare to dream here. Dare to dream. <laughs> Christina, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you about House of Puff, what's the best way to get that information? You can head to houseofpuff.com or um, the House of Puff on Instagram, or you know me. If you want to talk to me, shoot me an email, hello at houseofpuff.com. I love talking to new people, especially in the cannabis space. So uh, shoot me a holler. And Bruce, this is this has been wonderful. Thank you. I'll make sure all the links and everything are in the show notes. You can get that information. Christina, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.